0: And happy Friday. Wow, what a week it's been. A impeachment inquiry, budget shutdown on the cusp of that. We're going to start the show with someone who knows exactly what's going on in Congress Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina. How plugged is he into this budget crisis? Well, he's on the Rules Committee. Nothing can happen without his vote. He's going to give us, and Amanda, Amanda and I talked just a little while ago, a first hand update on what to expect. I think everybody thinks that we're getting closer and closer to that shutdown. We'll kick off the show with that today. Then, of course, we'll turn to our good friends at Job Creators Network. They're one of our partners here at Justin News. John Solomon reports. Elaine Parker is going to join us. We're going to talk about some amazing polling, about some amazing sentiments on Main Street America, Small Business America, Job Creators Network, the largest small business advocacy group I've ever worked with. They're just fantastic. They do amazing work. They've got some interesting polling. And also, they're seeing something amazing on the political front. They're seeing large numbers of Hispanic small business owners, by the way, Hispanic small business owners growing by the dozens day by day, one of the fastest growing parts of the U.S. economy, turning their political sentiments red. They're getting fed up with Bidenomics. Elaine's going to describe that dynamic and so much more, including two epic lawsuits. The group won this in the last year that Got rid of big government mandates. And then we'll finish up with a great conversation about Iran and the world. Victoria Coates, former deputy national security advisor to President Trump, is going to join us. A lot of things are going on Iran, including a Pentagon official who's now been fingered as potentially being an influence agent for Iran. Oh, and that employee is still there. Hmm. No consequences. We've seen that before, right? Russia collusion and everything since. That's our show today. Ralph Norman, Elaine Parker from Job Creators Network, and of course, Victoria Coates. Great show. Before I turn to that, I'd like to give you a quick heads up on a story I broke last night. It's funny how stories in Washington have a way of returning to their start point. If you remember, the entire Hunter Biden scandal started First, with my stories in the Hill in 2019 about the firing of the Ukraine prosecutor. Then in 2020, Miranda Devine and I came up with a laptop, the laptop from hell. And that started because a repair shop owner in Delaware gave it to the FBI in December 2019. Well, now, and a twist of fate, by the way, the repair shop owner had to turn it over because the FBI subpoenaed him. Now, flip around the tables. You know Why? John Paul McIsaac, that Delaware shop owner, is a lawyer, Brian De (laughs) They've subpoenaed the FBI saying, hey, give us the laptop back. We need it to sue Hunter Biden and CNN and others for defaming John Paul McIsaac. Now, we've had John Paul McIsaac on the show many times. But isn't that a twist of fate? The FBI is being subpoenaed to give back the Hunter Biden laptop, not to Hunter Biden, but to the repair shop owner. Who argues he's its rightful owner? How about that? Pretty amazing twist of events there. No, all right, folks. That is the top of the headlines for us. We'll keep an eye all through this weekend on the government shutdown. Be sure to check out justthenews.com day and night, or the Just the News app that you can download from the Apple and Android stores. Before we go to break, we have a lot of great partners, and some of them are in the economic space, like the Job Creators Network. Well. I think a lot of us had a little pepsit over the way the stock market has performed but when most American investors were facing a bad year for stocks in fact one of their worst years since the great recession Mark Chakin's stock picking system was accurately identifying the top 10 stocks months in advance if you were following Chakin you were ahead of the curve now have you ever heard of Mark Chakin he built the stock indicator system that Wall Street uses to find winning stocks. And right now his system just identified the top stock to buy. It's a little known AI stock. No, it's not Nvidia. That's the hot darling right now. It's an overlooked AI company trading for one twelfth the price of Nvidia, but it already has lucrative partnerships with big players like Microsoft. So visit stock market warning 500. Visit stock market warning 500.com to get the details, including the name and ticker of his his new recommendation. And you know what? All of this is 100% free. What a great way to start. Jakin's system is the gold standard for investment, research, quality, and accuracy. And the last time he gave away a free recommendation to the public, that stock jumped 66% in three months. How about that? Well, one more time, if you want to take advantage of this, no obligations, just go check it out. Go to the website, www.stockmarketwarning500.com, Stock Market Warning 500. All right, folks, when we come back, Congressman Ralph Norman, key member of the House Rules Committee, a straight talker when it comes to fiscal discipline, we'll have him next after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. they're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HometitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS one more time. Go to HometitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman he joins us right now. Sir, great to have you back on the show. John, as always, enjoyed enjoy being with you in America. We love being with you as well. Um, it is an interesting moment. Obviously, we have uh, three, three to four days left in the month. Uh, a big rush to see if Republicans can deliver on the appropriation bills. They promised to pass one by one by one, all 12 of them. Can you bring us up to speed? Where does the process stand? Is a shutdown likely imminent or could it still be avoided?
1: Sure. Uh, first thing, is a, is a shutdown imminent? Yes. We can't get everything done by... Uh, The the close of day tomorrow. Uh, The good news is we're going to put something on the Senate desk. We'll pass four appropriations bills. We'll debate them well into the night, put them on the floor tomorrow and whatever passes, we will get over to the Senate and put it back in their lap along with our Homeland Security having a firm, tough uh, language for securing the border. The crisis that we have in this country is the five plus million illegals have coming in. That's got to be stopped. It'll be up to Joe Biden if he will do that, if he won't, then it's up to him to, uh, to, I guess, continue the shutdown. But we'll have something over there that's good news. It shouldn't have happened. It should have been done back in, our appropriation should have been uh, debated back in June or July, yeah. but that's the overriding issue. And, and that's one of the good things that we'll be doing uh, tomorrow.
2: Well, and sir, you mentioned that progress that, that was at least started back in, in June or July, at least a few months ago. I know that you have fought tooth and nail seven ways from Sunday to get this ball rolling earlier so that we don't end up in this situation every time the year comes around. And you signed a letter with 26 other colleagues, uh, basically requesting just some information from McCarthy, basic information, how the process is going to go forward, the appropriation strategy. Uh, can you tell us what's in that letter?
1: Yeah, uh, the letter said, basically, we want a rundown on when they're going to be considered. It just hasn't been a a priority, Amanda, which is is unbelievable, really. Uh, And the letter basically said, give us a blueprint, give us a plan going forward. That's the first letter. We've got another letter going out today that will say on the remaining appropriation bills, regardless of how long the shutdown is, give us a timetable that they will come up. People don't realize the speaker controls... You know, the timing, the speaker yeah. controls what comes to the committees. We can get the work done. And now uh, one of the good things is we're working. People on the committees are willing to work night and day because they don't want to shut down. But uh, two, we don't want the Senate to basically jam us. They have got the House controls the purse strings. And we're not going to agree to the Senate, uh, not even going to take it up because it's humor spending and it's, uh does not have border control. Plus, it's got uh, $6 billion for Ukraine, and it's got $5 billion, billion for humanitarian aid, which is money we don't have. Yeah.
0: Sir, uh, the process has been bumpy, and one of the things that Republicans wanted to do was create an orderly budget process, start managing the government's uh, wallets like we manage our own at home. Uh, who is to really blame for the failure to get these appropriations bills done earlier, and how can it be fixed so that in 2024 to 2025, there's a better process in place.
1: Well, I think one, again, I have to say the speaker controls this. Now, I don't think he thought the group of us were gonna be that firm yeah. in demanding that. And back in January, that's one of the, the, the demands that we made before we offered our vote. Let's consider the spending bills early on. Let's have the debate early on. Let's don't wait to the last minute. And for whatever reason, it did. But I don't think this will happen again because, you know, what we're getting ready to go through is not going to be pleasant. But it's the right thing to do. And uh, the speaker's going to have to put this a top priority and no more giving in to the Senate. If we're going to at every stage just cede the power to the Senate, then this country will go bankrupt. And it's just that's not an option. So the next, you know, the next budget. Uh, And the budget year has not changed. I mean, September 30th was always the date that we knew. It's kind of like Christmas. You know when it's coming. So it'll be considered early and we'll take it up earlier. Yeah, that's a good thing.
2: Sir, I heard that buzzer that you might need to return to the floor. I just want to check in and make sure you don't need to go.
1: I'm good to go. i got 20 minutes.
2: All right. All right, great. Okay, so then I want to ask you about a, a... I I would call it common sense, but a a victory yesterday, thanks to you, your amendment that uh, eliminates any offices of DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion in armed forces and in the DOD. It got adopted yesterday. Um, Why did it take so long? This just seems so patently
1: obvious. Amanda, I said before, as my first statement was, I cannot believe I'm sitting in Congress having to even debate this issue. a woke military is a weak military. Uh, you don't send nuns out to fight the war or, uh, you know, workers who are not military guys who uh, can win the war. Uh, you don't send diplomats out to win the war. And to, to, to think that we're, instead of building planes, ships, uh, nuclear bombs, and, and paying for uh, transgender surgery, for somebody trying to figure out whether they're a man or woman, decide what they want to do outside of the military and they need to pay for it. That's not a taxpayer's expense. So it did pass, and I I was, quite frankly, surprised because cutting anything in Washington, D.C., takes a a lot of lifting. But luckily, out of my four amendments, uh, they passed and will hopefully get them out completely. And, you know, the other thing, Amanda, we're calling attention to it. We've got to go line item by line item and, and get these crazy things out that the taxpayers uh, continue to borrow money we don't have. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, It's mm. the way we would manage our own home budget if we actually were uh, managing the government. It would be a better way to do it this way. Sir, I want to turn to something. You have been one of the most important voices on fighting corruption, uh, whether it's the Joe Biden a corruption or others. Introduced the No Corruptions Act. Uh, tell us a little bit about what this does for members of Congress convicted of criminal
1: offenses. Well, it cuts your pension off. I mean, what happens now is if you're convicted, um, you still get a pension, and it runs through your appeal process, which could take years. Right. Uh, what, this, what this bill does is say it cuts. If you get con- convicted, your, your pension goes away, as it should be, uh, to reward bad behavior on the backs of the taxpayer is something that's not tolerated at all to infuriate every American. And you can go down the list, both Republican and Democrat, that have had misdeeds in office yeah. And to collect a pension, some as high as $75,000, $80,000 for not even getting out of the bed when you, when you betrayed the trust of the country, needs consequences. And I will add the C to, you had the three Cs, but I would add the fourth one. America is looking for consequences for those wow. who are serving us and are, are betraying the trust.
0: That's an excellent C to add to that list, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
2: Sir, speaking of corruption, I wanted to ask you about the activities today of, I think, your former committee. I think we were formerly on oversight. Uh, How do you think that went down this morning?
1: It went great. I mean, to hear the Democrats, Amanda, complain about it's not right, it's it's not uh, fair. Look what they did to Donald Trump. And, you know, if you want to look at why is for Joe Biden to say he's going to be the most transparent, honest president of all time, what's he got to hide? Why doesn't he encourage this? The 20 LLCs that, that uh, showed up didn't just come out of thin air. The money that was sent to his house in Delaware. Uh, and, you know, so many things that that indicate smoke. Uh, there's a fire if there's smoke, and there's definitely smoke here. And he's fighting it every every uh, step of the way. But I'm glad Jim Jordan and James Comer are fighting, and we're not going to give up, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. And I would say this if it were a report a Republican president. You don't put up with with corruption. I'm glad to fight. Don't go anywhere, folks. When we come back, one of
0: my favorites, Elaine Parker from the Job Creators Network, the voice and muscle behind Main Street America small businesses. She'll be joining us to tell us what's going on in her neck of the woods. Get ready for some economic warning signs and also some political wind shifting, particularly with Hispanic small business owners. We'll have that after the commercial break. Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As I've said many times, Main Street America is the engine of the American economy. And as Main Street and small businesses go, so does the economy. And as inflation, rising interest rates, rising energy costs, and stifling government regulation have gone up under Joe Biden, Main Street has felt extraordinary burdens. And those burdens, of course, affect everybody Downstreet from Main Street America. I thought today we'd do a little flyover. We have many great partners with Justin News and John Solomon Reports, none of them better than the Job Creators Network. They come on off and they help us understand the economy and also they help us understand the importance of what small businesses need to get through each and every day and to grow this economy. We're very lucky to be joined right now by Elaine Parker. She's the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation and the chief communications officer for Job Creators Network. Elaine, great to have you back on the show.
3: Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It is great to have you. Uh, I think most of our listeners and readers know what Job Creators Network is, but for those who may have only been hearing for the first time, tell us what Job Creators Network is, when it was started, and how it makes a big difference in America every day.
3: Sure. I love talking about kind of the beginnings. So we're a national small business advocacy organization, and we're founded by a man named Bernie Marcus. And for those of your listeners who don't know who he is, he is the co-founder of the Home Depot. And he, he founded Job Creators Network because um, he started as a small business. So at one time, Home Depot was small, believe it or not. Um, And he understands the challenges that small businesses go through and the importance of having the right um, policies in place that help small businesses instead of breaking their backs. And so we focus on advocating and amplifying the voice of small business and and helping um, uh, amplify and and advocate for um, lower taxes and, and less government red tape. And um, just more pro-growth policies in general. And we work with small business owners to amplify their voice in the media, uh, to amplify their voice in their communities, and to amplify their voice in Washington, D.C. Because, you know, as you know, John, Main Street, small business owners, they don't have floors of lobbyists in Washington, D.C. whispering in the ears of uh, congressmen and senators up on the hill. And so what we do is we, we try to uh, make sure that their voice is heard and that they have a seat at the table.
0: It is remarkable, too. And I think, you know, because we encounter small businesses every day, we go to small franchises for the, for restaurants, we go to the dry cleaner, we go to the repair shop or the hardware shop or the garage. A lot of people don't know the scope and size of Small Business America. It's about, what, 33 million small businesses. Does that sound right?
3: 33 million, yes.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And that counts for about half of all employment jobs in the private sector, correct?
3: Yeah, they employ about 60 million people. So, I mean, when you add it up, you're talking about more than 90 million people that are dependent on the success of small business. And that doesn't even include their dependents, you know, and when you start adding that in, we're we're probably at over a third of the country, right? And so they're they're generating two-thirds of all new net jobs. Um and so they are the backbone of this economy. They are Main Street and there are neighbors, there are friends, there are family members, they're the ones who are sponsoring the little league, um, you know, baseball teams in your communities, And, and they do need they do need help. They do need to have their voices heard because when we've got uh you know, sort of historic inflation, um supply chain issues, uh labor shortages. Uh, energy prices out of this world, those um, those policies that are causing those issues, they impact small businesses in a disproportionate way. Um, you know, so a, a large company um, with supply chain issues, they're going to have um, preferential contracts with their suppliers. And so if there's a shortage of something, guess who's gonna get their stuff first? It's gonna be those big companies. Small businesses are always gonna kind of get shortchanged because they're not gonna have the big preferential type contracts. And so inflation, again, they work on uh, slim margins um, in their profit margins. And so when the cost of their products go up to have on the shelves or the cost of um, labor goes up so high as it has for the last two or three years, um, it disproportionately impacts their overall uh, revenues and profit margins as a result. And so we, we try to amplify that voice. We try to get um, educate the public and legislators in Washington about how those policies impact them. And we do that by helping small business owners actually talk to folks like you in the media and tell their stories about um, particular policies that are either helping or hurting them. You know, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was a a great policy that helped small business owners, but we also helped them testify in Congress in front of Congress people who are actually considering laws so that they can understand how small business owners are having to survive um, in, in the midst of all of this turmoil in the economy.
0: Uh, It it is amazing. And there have been so many pressures, as you mentioned, with the pandemic and then, of course, the Biden economy, which has starting with energy and now even the cost of just lending uh, because interest rates have had to go up to keep it, uh, try to tamp down this inflation. It's got to be an incredible squeeze. You have had, and we've been very lucky to chronicle some of the more important moments in Job Credit Network's history. You have brought some of the most epic and important cases to the Supreme Court in the last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about litigation, because you've won cases that not only made life better for small business, they made life better for all Americans, and these are big landmark cases.
3: Yeah, so we look at pushing back on government overreach um, in, in different ways um, during the pandemic, when the Biden administration was um, trying to implement a, um, a, a vaccine mandate on employers, <clears throat> they claimed it was a large company mandate. And really, it was um, companies that had 100 or more employees. Well, it, it, as a small business owner, it doesn't take long if you've got, you know, two restaurants um, to hit that 100-employee threshold. And the disproportionate um, impact and cost to our small businesses was going to be very detrimental, especially coming out of the pandemic, where they had been the the, the sector of business that had been shut down and deemed non-essential. Um, and so we filed uh, litigation against the Biden administration, and that case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and ultimately the Supreme Court uh, ruled in favor of our small businesses and struck down that case. Um, and most recently, we took on the Biden administration on the student loan bailout um, and filing of. You know, it, not only did it, in, it was going to impact our economy for the uh, Biden administration to uh, spend 400 billion dollars illegally of taxpayer money to pay off these debts. Um, but, it, uh, but you know, uh, it, it simply was uh, a government overreach. I mean, he didn't have the authority. The authority to spend money lies with Congress. You know, we all know that. Um, And so we were one of two cases that went um, to the Supreme Court, um, and ultimately the Supreme Court did strike down um, the student loan bailout. Um, so, So we're very proud of the work we did in that case. Um, in in fighting for Main Street and small businesses.
0: Yeah, they literally are cases that have affected every American. They really are landmark cases. When you look at the last couple of years, it's hard to find many more cases that had as profound effect as those two. You every day are in contact with Congress. You're, you're working with state legislatures. Sometimes you're working down in the, at the city level when there's an, an impact on businesses. What are some of the big issues right now that are on JCN's top radar, or their front burner?
3: Well, we have been working uh, pretty much this whole year on um, a framework for small businesses to help small businesses come back from the pandemic called the American Small Business Prosperity Plan, and we launched the um, prosperity plan in partnership with former speaker Newt Gingrich um, last fall, and what it does is focus on the unique needs of the small business community um, and we, it's been endorsed by Speaker Kevin McCarthy. It dovetails very nicely with the plan that he and the Republican um, House um, put out last fall as well because it focuses on our small businesses. And it starts with making the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act permanent. As I alluded to a few minutes ago, that was um, one of the biggest um, yeah, you know, uh, accelerance to our economy under the Trump administration with uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and allowing small businesses to keep more of their money, allowing them to um, expense their investments in the company in the year that they were made. Um, those tax cuts are starting to expire. Will start to expire at the end of next year, um, and they nobody has to do anything. They're simply going to expire, and that is going to be very detrimental to our small businesses. Uh, if that is allowed to happen, um, other things. It's, it's a very simple eight-point plan. Other things like increasing our domestic drilling. I mean, the 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 root cause of all of this inflation that we continue to talk about, John, is really the high cost of oil and the the what we call the sort of the Biden administration's war on our oil industry, which has destabilized the markets worldwide, which has. Um, you know, driven prices up in an effort to, you know, rush in the EV market um, before we're ready is, is making the cost of everything higher. And, you know, gas prices are still 50% higher than when the uh, Biden administration came in. And so it's smart policies like that, um, that will help our small businesses continue to recover from this pandemic. Um, and, and focus on their unique needs, whether it's, uh, you know, exempting them from regulations, um, helping them have better access to credit um, and and policies like that, that will help them continue thriving. Um, and for some of them, it means surviving.
0: Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, one of the amazing things that I, I love uh, between you and Alfredo Ortiz, you've come on many times. And the great thing about being on Main Street America is that you have a barometer not only of how the economy is doing, but also maybe some of the political shifts that are occurring. One in four of all new small businesses in America are owned by Hispanics. It's a statistic that the Small Business Administration put out recently. You recently had a great article that I think captured something, and it's because you have your finger on the pulse right on Main Street America. Hispanics, particularly those who are business owners, are really tiring of the, the big government approach of Biden economics. Certainly, they understand that the government spending created the inflation. The inflation created a new stressors on Main Street America. Talk a little bit about some of the dynamics that Job Creators Network has been able to pick up in the Hispanic community because of its robust engagement in the small business America.
3: Well, look, we, we really believe, um, and our CEO, Alfredo, who you mentioned has been on many times, that entrepreneurship is the, the key to um, uh, the, the racial and economic divide in this country. And Hispanics are um, just such an entrepreneurial group in general, um, and they, they understand that that is the, the way um, to um, have their American dream in this country. And and we are seeing um Hispanics move away from the, the Democratic Party in big numbers because they understand that um the the Republican Party is is focused on um free markets, free enterprise. And, um, reducing barriers to entrepreneurship and that allow them to, uh, start their businesses easier, grow their businesses easier, um, and, and they understand that very much so. And so, um, you know, they are, they are disproportionately entrepreneurial. Um, and I, I, I think, uh, we've heard, uh, Ronald Reagan say, uh, in the past, uh, if you remember, um, that Hispanics, um, are are actually Republican, they just don't know it yet, um, because they really <laughs> I, I believe in the that, same right. free market. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they really, they understand that the free market is how they're going to get their American dream.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it's such a vibrant part of Main Street America now, just all these very successful Hispanic entrepreneurs coming into the marketplace. As you look out, I think, and I learned this very early on when I came to Washington in the early 90s, one of the fastest way to get attention of a lawmaker or president is to have the voice of small businesses reaching out. They are such a powerful voice when issues need to be raised to the level of policymakers. Talk a little bit about what Job Creators Network does to harness those voices and just how successful small businesses are when they get the ear of a policymaker.
3: So we run a program called the advocate program and that is small business owners who are interested in actually speaking out and working with us Um, and we focus on amplifying their individual stories whether it's um uh, i'll give you an example of a advocate of ours guy berke who owns um, guy chemical in pennsylvania um he uh Uh, came to us and and became a member of Job Creators Network in in 2016. And so we helped talk about his story and how he was paying well over, his company was paying well over 50% um, in uh, income taxes. He's structured as an S corporation. And so because of that, he pays through his individual um, taxes. And so we talked about how a tax cut would help his company um, reinvest more and grow his business if he were able to get a tax cut. And so when the tax cuts went through, we were able to tell what he did with that um, tax cut. He, test, he spoke in the media nonstop about it. We media trained him to help him feel comfortable speaking on camera and worked with him directly to um, refine that story. And we all, he also ultimately ended up testifying in Congress. So he was able to hire more employees, created more jobs. He was able to pay his employees um, more as well as pay existing employees bon- bonuses. And for the first time since he had started his company, he was able to start a 401k for his employees. And that's substantial because he's in a. Exactly. I mean, that's how you grow a business, and that's the result of it. But he told me the real game changer was that he needed expensing in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and it allowed him to buy more equipment and expand the size of his business. And so that was able, that's how he was able to create more jobs. And so by amplifying those kinds of stories, we actually are able to connect the dots between the policy and the prosperity and help not only the public understand, but the media understand and amplify that story and then take that same story to Washington. And so our advocate program has been very successful. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Of, of small business owners across the country who are part of this program, and um, we just we we think it's such an impactful voice to hear the people on the front lines who are um, you know who are experiencing these policies and can talk about how they actually impact job creation.
0: Yeah, over the years you've had great commercials. Every time I go to New York. I'm always wondering, is there going to be a new billboard? Because Job Creators Network, I think, has some of the most famous billboards ever unleashed in Times Square or anywhere in the country. I remember back when Major League Baseball went woke and tried to oppose the Georgia election law. I think you had a really funny billboard that said Major League Baseball. All strikes, no balls. And everyone understood what you meant by that. How important are those billboards? It's just sort of a fun way to remind people of the common sense that resides on Main Street America that sometimes doesn't reside in the marble halls of Washington.
3: So that's kind of some of the fun that we have. And those creative messages that um, we do put those billboards up in Times Square, kind of referred to as the billboard guys in the media, but I think it gets I think it gets across a, a broader message because they tend to get picked up um, and run, you know, kind of everywhere in print and, and radio and, and TV. But because of that, that message gets out. It's usually very pithy messages like that um, that are, are kind of fun and, and of course, as you know, John, um, Alfredo Ortiz, our CEO, is is extremely creative on the marketing side and so he's responsible for a lot of those
0: um, kind of comical, uh, billboards that we see. Yeah. Hardly a time goes by when I don't have a phone call with him where he doesn't snicker, make me snicker about something because he just has such a witty way of looking at Washington takes itself so seriously, sometimes too seriously. And I think he has a fun way of stepping back and poking fun. And, 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 and when the fun pokes in, it injects a little bit of that common sense, which is what. Main Street America businesses use every day to run their business. If, if government ran like small business, we'd be a lot smaller, a lot leaner, a lot smarter than we are today. It's, it's always fun when, when you guys come up with one of those campaigns and it'll be interesting, interesting to see what the next one is. I want to turn to something that I think everyone's got on their mind. Uh, it does appear that there's a possibility that the government will shut down on Sunday night. Kevin McCarthy's going to try to get a stopgap measure. There's a lot of infighting. It's probably an important debate that's occurring on the floor of Congress. But while it is, I know the SBA and other people said, hey, this could be bad for small business. Can you tell us how a government shutdown is going to affect the small business community?
3: Well, look. I mean, I think it's it's going to affect all Americans, of course. Um, and you know, I really do hope that um, that our representatives in Congress figure out a way to come together. That is their job, to come together and keep our government running. Um, but our small businesses, as I mentioned, these the, the 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 policies and the actions that come out of Washington D.C. They tend to impact our small businesses in such a disproportionate way. Um, and so if we've got a government shutdown, um, the domino effect to our small businesses, ultimately to Main Street, is really going to um, devastate them. And so I'm very hopeful that uh, Speaker McCarthy can can, kind of can lead the way and, and um, find a way to um, at least a stopgap or ultimately, you know, keep everything running because we've, we've got to keep the trains on the track, right?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, it is absolutely important and consistency is important too. The zigging and zagging that sometimes Washington performs that, it creates a lack of planning capability for business. They don't know what they can count on and they can't count on it. And it'd be nice if Washington could have a little less chaos and a little more organization. Elaine, one of the things that's really clear that I've watched over the years, and I think people ask this question, is when Job Creators Network gets involved and brings historic cases like those things that stop the vaccine mandate, it doesn't only help small business, it helps every American. Same thing with the uh, student loan illegal student loan scheme that was going to erase billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of debt without it. You really help everyone, even though I know your main mission is to help the job creators on Main Street, the small business community. If someone's listening say, listen, I'm not a small business owner right now, but I love what Job Creators Network does. I love the fact that they're injecting common sense into public policy. They have a little fun with the billboards. How can they get involved? How can they support what JCN does every day?
3: Well, they can go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com. They can find out more information about the things that we're working on. They can subscribe to our newsletter. And if they wanna support our efforts, they can um, contribute right on the website. Um, of course, we, um, we do survive on the generosity of people who want to support our efforts in fighting, um, you know, pushing back against government overreach, fighting for the American dream and protecting our free enterprise system.
0: It's such an important mission. And, it, and while I know the heart of your business is clearly just protecting the interests of small business and advocating for them, you're really advocating for all of America because as Main Street goes, so does The rest of this country. Last question I want to turn to, because I think over the last few years, people have begun to realize that there's a gap between union workers and their unions. Unions seem to be aligned with big government Democrats. And a lot of times, the positions that they've taken, such as on climate change and others, end up having a negative effect downstream. A lot of the UAW workers that are on strike now, their real long-term future is that maybe the Biden administration Democrats and their green push for electric vehicles is going to take their job and send it over to China where batteries and other technology is made and where there's a monopoly. Job Creators Network does a lot to educate the American people about that gap every day between the, the the pro-union rhetoric and what actually happens. How important is that education campaign for union workers to understand that sometimes their interests aren't always represented by the unions that they, you know, been so dearly attached to?
3: Well, I, I think, John, that we actually have seen that in, in real time. Um, it All of the interviews I've seen of these UAW workers, um, while they're obviously fighting for some specific benefits in their contracts, they also understand the threat of this aggressive um, move towards EV vehicles, which is going to ultimately threaten their jobs in the future. Um, They really do understand that, and um, it, it really is a disconnect. Um, between the UAW rank and file worker and the leadership of the UAWs working in lockstep with the administration. I and mean, we even saw President Biden, um, you know, for the first time ever, we saw a president go and, and picket um, in, a, in a strike. But the interesting thing, and, is, and it's kind of a head scratcher, is he's, he's striking um, and he's, he's there picketing with these employees over a strike that his policies caused. I mean the, the the they want more money but they're losing money because of the inflation and the inflation was caused by his policies and the E V the rush to E V market is, is threatening their jobs. I mean, over and over again and, and the UAW workers when they're interviewed um on T V, every one of them um, has mentioned the the concern about moving to EV and, and those jobs moving over to China where the batteries are made. I mean, they see the writing on the wall with some of these policies uh, and they're very much voicing it.
0: Yeah, no, there is no doubt about it. The gap is fascinating and this is going to play out over the next several years. I think in a major way, disrupting the American economy as Unions and workers maybe part ways because they don't see eye to eye any longer on the issues that matter most. One last thing because I'm a, I'm a junkie when it comes to news. And one of the things I look forward to every month is the Small Business IQ poll that you do. I think it's one of the most fascinating things, and it, it not only measures the sentiments of small businesses, it often finds some very important issues, like education is really important to the future of the workforce. You had some really fun findings this month on uh, whether colleges and universities are overcharging students, and the best way to address the decline in performance in public schools. Talk about the importance of the Small Business IQ poll that Job Creators does every month, and then maybe give us a couple fun findings from the September poll, which we covered and found really, really important.
3: Yeah, the, the SBIQ poll is a national poll of 400 small business owners. Um, and we come up with an a, what we call a, an intelligence quotient, an IQ that is an index and tracks the overall sentiment of, of the economy and how small business owners are feeling. And so for last month, the um, SBIQ dropped by more than two points bringing it to actually the lowest sentiment reading since the the beginning of the survey back in May of 2021. Um, And so we we also are able to ask questions about the economy and how they're feeling about it. And um, small business owners, only about 25% of small business owners believe that the economy is good or excellent. And that declined four points compared to last month. Um, and then, um, with the inflation, we've seen it moderate, but what people need to remember is it's, it's moderating from the highs of last year, from 12 months ago. Prices are still, and prices are still going up on all of us. And overall, prices are up about 17 to 20 percent. So we're all still paying more and we're all still hurting. And inflation remains one of the two top concerns for more than 50% of our small business owners. And lastly, I'll leave you with this. Um, 78% of small business owners gave President Biden um, a job performance in helping Main Street a C or below. And 43% gave gave him an F. So when it comes to grades, he's not doing very well with our small business owners.
0: That's a blinking red light because small businesses are so essential to the way people vote. I mean, they interact every day in their communities. They really are the bedrocks of the communities. And uh, what what I love about the job creators poll, the IQ poll, particularly small business IQ poll, is it's such a great barometer. Oftentimes... The small businesses will, in the poll, give us an inflection or a sentiment, and then about two or three months later, you see that show up in the public polling at Gallup or some of the other polls. So you're on the leading edge of a lot of this. I found there was really one fun finding from this past month's poll, which caught my attention. I was like this, because there are very seldom issues that are 70 80 90% shared. But in your last poll, when asked the question, are colleges charging students too much, which by the way, directly connected to the great lawsuit that you brought and helped Americans save hundreds of billions of dollars from, 90% of small business owners said yes. That's a pretty big finding. I mean, there's just so few issues that are 90% issues in America.
3: Yeah, well, small business owners understood that um, if President Biden was allowed to spend $400 billion in um, paying off those debts, it was gonna drive up inflation even more. But further, they understand where the root cause of the problem is, and that's these colleges and universities um, charging, you know, uh, you know, twice as much as the inflation rate in tuition, and it's all to fund, you know, these Taj Mahal resort type amenities that they build on their campuses, and paying their football coaches and presidents multi-million dollar salaries, and that they're developing these degree programs that ultimately don't provide, many of them don't provide. Um, job skills for these students to find um, jobs to actually pay back these loans. And so if the Biden administration is allowed to find a way to pay off all of these debts that they're trying so hard to do, it's really going to be a blank check to the universities. Hey, keep raising that tuition all you want because the government will step in eventually and pay off these debts again. Instead of just addressing this with the universities and the colleges that are overcharging, holding them accountable and making them have some stake in the game. I mean, they, they should have to underwrite some of these, some of these uh, college loans so that they have a stake in the success of these students when they graduate and ensuring that they are able to get jobs to pay back these loans.
0: Yeah. Common sense. I mean, the amazing. And that's what every time I see Job Creators Network on television, when when you join us, the common sense nature of Main Street America is what is so powerful for for itself as a constituency, but it's also the sort of thing when people look at small businesses, are like, why can't Washington and state legislatures and state houses broaden this way? I mean, just throw some common sense in there. We really love that. It's one of the great things that we get a heavy dose of, and we did today, uh, Elaine. Uh, we're so grateful for everything you do to support Just the News. And folks, if you're listening, Job Creators Network supports what we do here every day. Show them some love. Give them some support. Go to JobCreatorsNetwork.com today. Go check out. They've got a great poll. They've got gr- a great blog. They've got an incredible podcast. I try to check it out as often as I can. And then go donate. It's such a simple thing to do. You'd be amazed how just a few dollars can go a long way to inject common sense back in America. That's what Job Creators Network did with the vaccine mandate lawsuit, what it did with the student loan lawsuit, and all the other things that it's fighting for. It not only helps small business. It helps every American, and that's why you should get involved today. Go to JobCreatorsNetwork.com. Go make a donation today. That'll be a great thing. Elaine, love having you on the podcast. I always love this conversation. Look forward to it. We'll try to get you on in a few weeks again to get an update, see how we weather the next few days with the government shutdown threat looming over America. But what an honor to have you on today. Thanks, John. Yeah, a lot of fun. All right, folks, we got one more good one to go when we come back. We've got a great interview coming up with Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump. We've been talking about Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. Russia, Ukraine. We throw throwing a lot of China, thanks to the Bidens. But there's another country we need to be keeping an eye on, Iran. Yes, Joe Biden just gave away $6 billion to them. I know you're going, oh, that was a bad idea. We'll wait till you hear how Iran has acted since it got that $6 billion. You're going to get some head-scratching information, plus A big red warning light flashing inside the Pentagon where a Pentagon official has been identified in some documents as a potential influence agent for Iran, but she's still on a job. I'll tell you what, Victoria Coates has some pretty strong thoughts about that. She'll be joining us next after these commercial messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote.
2: Welcome back, everybody, with all the news swirling today from the potential of a shutdown due to a longstanding fight in appropriations to the first hearing of Biden's impeachment inquiry. I couldn't think of a better guest who can bring a wealth of knowledge to all of these issues in Washington, D.C. and around the globe. She's the Heritage Foundation's new VP of foreign policy and one of the most trusted advisors from the Trump administration. Victoria Coates rejoins us once again, and we're so grateful that she is. Victoria, good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Amanda. You know, over over the course of the last three or four days, we have had a number of border officials on. And so we, of course, have aggregated a lot of numbers pertaining to the Biden administration, 2.4 million illegals coming across our border just this year, 7.6 million since Joe Biden took office. 151 of which are on the terror watch list, and 24,000 pounds of fentanyl. Um, I know that you know you you are so well versed on national security, and and we oftentimes talk to you about how energy is nas- national security, and economy is national national security,
4: but our border is national security. Our border is is national security in big bold red letters, and. First and foremost, the reason you mentioned right there, the folks on the terrorist watch list, DHS likes to say, oh, well, that's only a tiny percentage, only 141 out of however many millions we've let in. That's a tiny percentage. Problem is with the terrorists, as we learned on 9-11, you don't need 141. You can have 10 you can have five. Sometimes it just takes one, and so having this kind of open, unfettered access for terrorists, and and those are the 141 we've identified. So who knows who else has squeaked through? And now we have situations uh, where you have you know tens of thousands of people who are in you know in Manhattan. Uh, they're trying to house them in uh, both. Uh, parks, uh, national parks. They're trying to house them in facilities like Atlantic City International Airport, which is also a Coast Guard facility. So these unvetted migrants who may or may not be terrorists are bumping up against United States military installations. This is just, it's beyond a joke. We've got to get this shut down. The Congress is 100% correct. If we can't secure the border, this government does not deserve to be funded.
0: Yeah, it's such an important mission. And it used to be a basic mission everyone agreed on, but now one party doesn't believe in it. It's really remarkable. Um, Victoria, I want to ask a little bit about Iran. I, every time I talk to people in this security establishment, they are most concerned by the behavior Iran is uh, exhibiting while Joe Biden continues to give it extraordinary concessions and appeasements. Uh, we, we gave him six billion dollars that had been frozen. We traded some prisoners for our prisoners. Uh, we're talking about maybe letting an Iranian diplomat come to Washington, have meetings here. Uh, meanwhile, they're throwing out uh, the uh, atomic uh, inspectors uh, right after we do these uh, moments of appeasement. Iran's not acting even remotely grateful for everything Joe Biden is giving them.
4: No. And I mean, this has been the case since the minute the Biden administration yeah. came into office. They immediately did things like take the Houthi terrorists in Yemen, the Iranian proxies, off the terrorism list. And what did they do? They went on a big spree of terrorism. Most recently, just this Monday, killing a number and wounding others of Bahrainis who were helping the Saudis secure their border with Yemen mm. uh, in a horrible terrorist attack. And rather than expressing our condolences to our Bahraini allies and condemning the Houthi terrorists, our embassy in in Bahrain just said we you know we were sorry about it, but nothing about the terrorism. Mm. And so Iran is just acting with you know impunity now, sending killer drones to Russia in mass quantities to be used to blow up the equipment Biden's demanding that the American taxpayers send to Ukraine. Uh, and then most egregiously this week, John, we have the revelation that the Iranians have for 10 years created this uh, sort of program for dual citizens, Iranian-American and Iranian-European citizens to, with the help of the government of Iran, this came through their foreign ministry, through the former foreign minister Javad Zarif and his president, Hassan Rouhani, that these people would receive official instructions from the Iranian government to influence the decisions that are being made in Washington, particularly mm. around a new nuclear deal. And one of these people who is a documented member of this is still employed by the Department of Defense in a, se- a sensitive role. This is just insane. We've literally allowed the Islamic Republic of Iran to negotiate their own deal with the United States.
0: Unbelievable. Mm. Oh, My
4: disgusting. And yeah. Uh, speaking of
2: adversarial regimes, um, North Korea, it was announced, we found out today that U.S. Army veteran Travis King has, there is going to be repatriated to the United States if he hasn't already. Um, supposedly without any concessions. Why did that happen so easily?
4: It's it's this is a very murky case, and there's clearly uh, something severely wrong uh, with this with this individual. Whether it be a mental disorder, a substance abuse disorder, uh, of course, we're glad he's getting out of of North Korea. Hopefully, in one piece. Some of our other citizens have not been so lucky. Uh, And certainly, I mean, the North Koreans have held him for so long because I think they were hoping for a concession. But there may be a situation there that they're consider concerned uh, that they're going to get severe blowback if if they don't get him out of North Korea. Yeah, we all remember Otto Warmbier. Yeah. That's right. exactly. That's that's the case I was thinking of. Yeah, no
0: doubt. <laughs> uh, Victoria, you have done a lot to come up with a better approach to China than what Joe Biden has. Of course, you had a great approach when you were the deputy national security Advisor. Uh, but uh, we saw some disturbing new information yesterday. James Biden admitting that he uh, and his family were trying to help China, Hunter and him, to help China buy up energy resources, the United States natural gas terminal down in Louisiana, send it to the Chinese. And they knew the company that was paying them and that they were going to transfer these U.S. assets to was directly connecti- uh, connected to the Chinese president, President Xi, communist leader of the country. Pretty audacious. Uh, what is your take when you hear that sort of information?
4: This is this is so disturbing. It's like a perfect storm, John, of all the issues that, that are problematic in the US-China relationship. We know China fears and uh, American energy dominance, which has been developing over the last 15 years, but certainly was unleashed under President Trump. And China looked at us and said, Wow, they've they've got all their own resources, they can become a major supplier to the world. What a huge advantage that's going to be. And they've taken a multi-pronged approach that we're working on very very closely in heritage right now to both promote the extreme green uh, the extreme green agenda for renewables, wind and solar, which is technology that's a hundred years old. Uh, why would mm-hmm. we be using that, not new technology to fuel ourselves, the EV batteries that they that they uh, produce so cheaply, and that that this the Biden administration is willingly. Uh, making us dependent on these things at the same time that the Biden family is promoting the sale of U.S. energy assets to the communist Chinese.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So grateful you can join. A big thank you to Ralph Norman, Elaine Parker, and Victoria Coates. What a good show, good discussion. That's why we bring such great newsmakers on this program every week. Hey, if you want to take advantage of the wisdom and stock market compass, that Mark Chaikin offers, go check out StockMarketWarning500.com. StockMarketWarning500.com. This is a guy that's been picking winning stocks for years, usually months ahead of the rest of the market. He developed the indicator system that Wall Street uses now to find winning stocks. He's got some great advice for you. Go to stockmarketwarning 500 dot com. One more time. stockmarketmorning 500com And also, if you want to say thanks to Elaine and Alfredo and all my good friends at Job Creators Network for the work they're doing to push the economy forward, to push back big government, to make Main Street economy vibrant again, small business America vibrant again, go to Job Creators Network.com job creators network.com and go make a small donation just tell them John Solomon sent you they do such great work job creators network.com they're really fighting for all America I know their basic constituency are small businesses but small businesses are all of our businesses I'm a small business go support them today at Job creators Network. Com. All right, that wraps up today's edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join. Can't wait for our follow-up conversations in the next couple of days. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this incredible country of the United States of America. Yep, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports. Be sure to check out Just the News.com or the Just the News app this weekend. We'll cover you on the government shutdown temperature, the forecast on that. And also, we've got some great interviews coming up this weekend, including Cash Patel, whose new book, Government Gangsters is out. He's going to give us a skinny tomorrow on the Saturday edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, God bless and good night. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200